Sound Design. Live. All right, so I'm Nathan from Sound Design Live, and today I'm here with Alice Stefanschitz from Gain Media Lab and Scott Adamson from The Production Academy. Um, and I invited these guys here today because when we all started out, I think there was pretty much nowhere to study audio online. And now there are a couple of places to study audio online when it comes to live production, mixing front of house, stuff like that. I really like what these guys are doing. And I thought maybe one way I could help people understand what they have to offer and also decide if um, they think it would be a good fit for them would be to kind of compare and contrast what these two different courses could do for you. So from Alice, you've got uh, Gorilla Mixing, which is more of an intermediate level course. And from Scott, you've got Essential Live Sound... Shit, no, it would fuck it up. Essential Live Sound Training, (laughs) which is appropriate for beginners to start. And it has a bunch of lessons in there that are kind of at that level. So that's all I'll say here at the beginning. And um, I'm going to talk to each of them about it. But before we do that, Scott, what was uh, the last show you worked on? Well, actually, the last show I worked on was last night um, uh, for an artist named Liz Fair. Liz Fair. (laughs) She, uh, you know, became popular in the late 90s, uh, part of the alternative rock uh, kind of movement that was happening at that time. Uh, Yeah, really great, really awesome. Uh, She's been on a bit of a hiatus, but she's just came out with a book and is coming out with a new record soon. So she's kind of ramping up doing some shows. It was super fun, really nice people, really nice crew, nice band and everything. So really had a good time. Uh, But yeah, it was the the show was up in Woodstock, New York, upstate, okay. at a uh, small radio station actually, WDST. Uh, it's a long time alternative rock station. I think they were probably playing Liz Fair's record <laughs> "Exile on Guyville" when it came out um, in the '90s. So uh, it was really fun. Went up there. It was you know pretty small performance space, a small town. So it was okay, so you a, weren't just mixing for the broadcast. It was actually for a live show. I, it was for a live show. Actually, I don't think it was broadcast at all. It was just the show happening um, in the radio station's uh, performance space there. Cool. Um, could you share with us maybe one thing that you learned on the show? Well, so since it was a pretty small space, uh, you know, I, they didn't really have big fancy digital consoles or anything like that. Uh, they had a 16-channel small Soundcraft analog console. Um, I don't usually get to mix on those that often, um, but all the outboard uh, gear was all the compressors and gates and everything were all outboard uh, and patched in via single-point inserts on the console. So the send and return were unbalanced going to that single-point insert on the console. And uh, yeah, it was just pretty uh, bare-bones, uh, bare-bones setup. You know, and I don't. I don't usually get to see that kind of setup too often, so it was really good for me to actually go in and see that setup. And when there were problems uh, with some of that gear, like when one of the compressors wasn't working, I had to go and kind of trace down the uh, the cabling and trace down the signal path uh, just to to make it work correctly. So, so what was the problem of, end up being with that compressor? Um, it was just uh, the input and output on the actual outboard unit were backwards. Okay. So the tip, the send was actually plugged into the output of the compressor, which is backwards. So I just flipped those and uh, got it working pretty easily. But it was just, it was a good reminder that, 
you know, you have to like kind of know those fundamentals and know the fundamentals of troubleshooting and really be able to kind of be quick with that stuff uh, to, to make the show happen, even if you're used to working on digital consoles when a compressor and a gate is just a button click away. So, Sure. Cool. Um, and what about you, Alex? What's the last show you worked on? Well, the last show I worked on was uh, a festival of trap music. And the thing that sort of I took away from that uh, show was that when artists came with their um, with their own vocal uh, effects units, like autotune stuff. I've got a picture. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, units like that. Um, those units, when put in line uh, of that signal, tend to be problematic uh, in various ways. One of them proved to be consistent with all of the units was that they emit sort of a high pitched noise that um, I had to really um, notch out with different filters uh, for almost every performer that was using that. Oh, wow. Um, plus, you know, there were gain issues and stuff like that, but the, the noise was something that surprised me. Um, and now I know uh, to uh, look for that for any other show that I might do for that genre or for any performer that might be using the same units in the future. Interesting. So when you look for that in the future, is that just going to tell you, okay, I'm going to have to do that notching EQ again, or are you going to try and find a different solution? Like what, what would you have preferred to do? I would have preferred to have the control of the units like next to the console, whatever, so I can monitor the, the input gain, the output gain uh, of those units, uh, making sure that I have all my levels set correctly. But unfortunately, since most of the times we can't do that, um, it's just a mental note to say, okay, I've encountered this before. Don't be alarmed. Uh, don't go freaking out thinking that it could be something else like a, a bad cable or something wrong with the PA system. Oh, sure. Like anywhere else in the system. Yeah. And the system, like, okay, I've experienced this. So I, I know it's probably emitting from, from that piece of gear. Right. Um, Scott, have you ever run into these out in the field or any of the artists you're working with using these? Um, well, unfortunately, I have run into them out in the field. <laughs> Fortunately, none of the artists I'm working with uses these. You know, if, if, if artists are really getting up to the point where they're hiring crew and, uh, you know, running full production, they're going to have the control for any vocal effects at the consoles. It's just kind of the way that things should operate. You know, even if performers need to change their own effects on stage, you can work out MIDI switchers or MIDI controllers to change effects in Ableton sessions. Or any, there, are, there are a number of ways to deal with effects, but I feel like you see the pedals when it's really bands just starting out. They don't have their own engineers and they have an, a specific effect that they want to hear on their voice and just think that using that pedal is the best solution. But sure, yeah, like I mean, guitarists are doing it, bass players are doing it. Why can't I do it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, you know, it, it does, uh, apart from noise issues, it does cause uh, gain issues, which uh, really cause a lot of engineers a lot of headache. Um, and you just, you don't get good gain before feedback through those pedals. Uh, turning it up in the monitors can get it to be an issue if you have someone that needs to have their vocals really loud in the monitors and in wedges and has one of those pedals, it's going to be a disaster. So it's always better to not see those around. But I do, to I do totally understand why singers uh, want to use them. 
Cool. Well, um, oh, I forgot to ask you, Alice, where in the world was your show? Oh, it was, uh, it was in Ljubljana, Slovenia, where I'm, where I'm based, uh, uh, where I do most of my work. Uh, it was, it was a festival of like, uh, up, up and coming, uh, artists in, in this particular genre. So, uh, like Scott mentioned, like crews that are just starting out and want to have that specific effect on their vocal, something that have, they have heard on, on, on the records of their idols um, and they want to mimic that. Um, so the, the cheapest solution is to go for that, uh, that cheap pedal and, and just put it in line with the signal, which can cause issues down the line for us. Cool. All right. So, um, let's talk about your courses. So Scott, essential live sound training. Um, the first question I think a lot of people have is, is this for me? So could you talk about who is your ideal student? I'm glad you asked this because it is really kind of hard. You know, I, I built this course and it, it is kind of hard to explain to people uh, to see if it's right for them or not. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. But, um, you know, I really, when I built this course, I was thinking that I, was, I wanted to put all of the fundamentals for live sound into one place so that anybody from, from zero, you can start completely from scratch and go through this course and be able to get sound to come out of speakers and run a console in a, in a small setting. Um, so it really is anybody, you could, you could be total zero. Or I've had a lot of people that sign up for this course and it, they might have been running shows at, at different venues for a while, even for years. And they might have some gaps in their knowledge about uh, some technical things with either wireless audio or gain structure or uh, best EQ practices or anything like that. So a lot of those people have had you know, pretty good results taking this course, the essential live sound training, and just kind of filling out the gaps in their knowledge. Um, so you could really, you know, have some experience or some knowledge. You could be a musician uh, who has to deal with live audio stuff from time to time. And this course can really help you out. But it really is, like you said, uh, more on the fundamental level, uh, beginners or, you know, lower intermediate people who want to just kind of get that really solid uh, understanding of all the audio fundamentals for live sound. Nice. And to kind of compare and contrast, Alish, what would you say is uh, the ideal student for uh, Gorilla Mixing? Um, judging from what Scott just said, everybody who's finished Scott's course, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's basically, um, intermediate users of digital consoles, uh, people that already know how to maybe connect a microphone, connect a sound source to the console, uh, have the sound come out of the speakers. Um, maybe they are using, uh, their consoles for running audio. Uh, on a regular basis now and just are starting to figure out that one of the key elements in sound is time. So how much time you will have um, to make some something sound great. And since we never have enough time to prep uh, either the console or have enough time to do a proper sound check, um, it's always a great idea to have strategies um, or some tools in your toolbox that you can um, reach for when you are faced with these uh, time constraints and when you are faced with the pressure of everybody looking at you to 
uh, create a good sound um, with very little time to prepare. Um, so it's for everybody who wants to get more efficient, faster, and more consistent with their work, especially um, in conditions that we all tend to face, no matter uh, of the size of the production, uh, like time constraints will be a, your lifelong partner if you decide to work in all <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> having these tools uh, is something that I've found really beneficial. Um, and also the students that have taken the pilot course have um, testified to the fact that, um, you know, once they've learned my strategies and went through those courses, um, they realized that there are steps you can take to uh, become faster, become more reliable, and become more confident um, in your audio work. Cool. Thank you. So just to kind of sum up, it seems like um, any beginner or any, um, anyone at any level, but especially beginners who want to focus on the fundamentals, would want to take Scott's course. And then um, if you are wanting to um, become more efficient and faster, especially in non-ideal combat audio situations, that would be more like gorilla mixing. Exactly. Um, and now we, you both touched on this a little bit, but um, I just want to see if you have anything else to say about what do I get out of it? I think that's kind of the second thing a lot of people are wondering when they're taking a look at the sales page or taking a look at your course. Like by the end of it, what am I going to be able to do? It's kind of a weird um, uh, thing to try and talk about things online, right? Because if you're at a grocery store, you could like pick up an apple and like smell it and like, oh, this is going to taste great. But with courses online, like how do you figure that out? So what do you say to this, Scott? What's in it for me? Well, I think what's in it for any potential user is to have confidence that your knowledge of all the fundamentals is solid. Uh, like all of us sound engineers who do live music, there there is no definitive resource uh, to cover all this stuff, all the all the stuff that we do for live music production. So um, most people that I know, including myself, like coming up, learning all this stuff, I would have an idea of what everything did. And I was always kind of shy and didn't want to ask and talk to people. Um, so it was, it was, I was always, I was in some kind of question in my mind. If what I was thinking was actually the correct way electronically or, or, um, you know, any of the concepts, the higher concepts of sound were really right. So this course will give you that confidence that all those fundamentals are great. And then once you get there, then you can start to expand into more uh, advanced audio techniques, advanced uh, digital console techniques. And uh, like Alex said, like getting better at your craft um, and learning that sort of thing, but having a really great understanding of the fundamentals and confidence that, that you're at, that you do have the correct understanding of those fundamentals I think it's a very valuable tool for any audio engineer. Yeah. There's nothing like having that confidence, especially when you get into the field and, and you're like, wait, does this thing plug in like this? Or does it plug in like this? That, um, that doubt can not only slow you down, but then, you know, also be distracting because it's like hundreds of decisions we need to make when we're getting yeah. into a show. Right. Absolutely. And you know, like I said, it was like the time time constraints are always going to be there in live music production. The pace can be pretty fast. 
So if you have do if you do have great fundamentals and are able to employ good time management techniques and good strategies, like like he's teaching in his course, then you'll you'll be uh, very hireable, very efficient, and very effective as an audio engineer for live music. Cool. So what do you think, Alice? What what am I going to get out of guerrilla mixing? Well, the the entire course is based on a premise that um, even if we have like lots of knowledge about audio, how to set the compression, how to set the EQ, um, what we need to focus on in, in guerrilla mixing situations and these combat time constraint situations is what are the essentials? Like, what is what is it that I can strip away? Um, to focus on the on the basics, on the fundamentals, on the nitty gritty. Um, I like to talk about this as a eighty twenty rule um, mixing, where you can do twenty percent of the things to achieve eighty percent of the desired sound. So, trying to figure out what those basic elements are is at the core of my course. Um, so once you learn everything that Scott has to offer in his course, which is um, like everything that you need to know, my course will teach you, okay, out of all of that vast knowledge that you now have, what are the specifics that you need to do in terms of um, either checkpoints or uh, basic steps that you need to take to get this, the show up and running with zero prep time under extreme time conditions, uh, time constraints, um, and have the, the the best possible sound in those situations. That's cool. What I'm sort of realizing from hearing both of you right now talk is that while probably in Scott's course, I'll learn like what all the knobs do on a compressor or um, um, what everything I need to know about the fundamentals of how a compressor works, then in Alice's uh, course, I might learn, you know, what are maybe the um, the best starting point so that I can, you know, get into the show without worrying about it. Um, maybe what are one or two um, knobs I really need to focus on to just get that 80%, you know, the minimum action I need to take to get the maximum result. Yeah, that 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 is a great way of putting it. I would also say that since audio in general is such um, such an elusive concept. Like, I cannot say, okay, put the threshold at minus 26 dp and then you will be set for all genres all the time with every input. That's your, like, starting point. Um, it doesn't work that way. What I can do is explain the mental process that I go uh, through when I'm deciding on what to do. So that's basically what my course is about not only saying, okay, I would usually start from this point, but I will also explain why I start from this point um, and the mental process of eliminating all of the other things and just focusing on um, two or three specific controls. And then you can go back and, you know, turn guerrilla mixing into regular mixing one, once you've reached um, your basic goals of having some sound coming out of the speakers and a, very controlled um, fashion. Cool. Um, well, let's wrap up with the financial and time commitment because once I know, you know, if this course is for me and what I get out of it, then I need to figure out like, um, is this an investment I can make in my business right now? And not only with money, but 
am I going to have the time to actually get the results? Um, and I know um, both of your courses don't really have deadlines. I could do them in shorter or longer periods. They're both self-paced. Um, it would be cool to know what you see other people doing in terms of uh, how long it takes them to get through it or how long it takes them to get to some milestone where they get to some you know, big result. Um, so Scott, how much does your course cost and um, how, what sort of time commitment do you think it will take for me? Right. Well, that last bit is kind of difficult to answer, honestly, uh, just because everyone kind of comes into audio with different experiences and different uh, levels of knowledge. And uh, that's why I do a subscription month-to-month service for the Essential Live Sound Training. It's 29 bucks a month. Uh, I've seen people come in with a good amount of audio knowledge already, people that have been running shows and want to just kind of plug the gaps in their knowledge and make sure that they have a great, uh, great grasp on all the concepts. And people can come in for a month and be done. And, that's, and it totally benefits them. And then that's, then that's all good. Um, but I've also had people come start from scratch, maybe not have as much time to dedicate it, and take six months, eight months to go through the course. So I still do it at 29 bucks a month. Uh, I do offer an annual subscription um, to, and I have seen a lot of schools and churches sign up for that. So uh, some churches might have an, an audio team, maybe one or two people that they need to train and get their services up and sounding great. So a, a yearly subscription for those, for those institutions works well. Um, so it really just depends on what level the student is coming into the course. Uh, but that is why I do a month-to-month subscription because it it really varies on what people need to get through the entire program. Cool. So it sounds like it could be a little bit up to me. Minimum financial commitment of twenty nine dollars, um, and then maximum would be however long I want to stay. And um, I know that you are um, adding more videos and updating it as well. So it's however long it takes me to get through as many lessons as I want. Plus, if I want to see the new content you're putting in, right? Yeah, I must, uh, full disclosure, probably not planning on adding too much uh, to it over the next uh, six months, eight months. Uh, So um, someone was disappointed once and emailed me wondering why I wasn't putting more content up every month. So I do want to say that, but it is very complete. I mean, there are over 100 videos in this program. There's over six hours of training. A lot of it's very dense. There's a lot of diagrams that animate to help demonstrate abstract concepts and stuff like that. So there's a lot to go through. There are quizzes for each and every video. Um, so there is a quite a bit to go through. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there is that, but it's not really constantly updated month to month. Okay, great. Um, I appreciate that both of you guys are still working on a lot of shows And I think I would prefer to take courses from people who are kind of out there doing the thing that I want to be doing um, and have sort of up-to-date relevant information. Um, It would be different, not bad, but it would be different if your course was created maybe 20 or 30 years ago and you hadn't actually worked on any shows in 20 or 30 years. And I would say that's common for all of us here that that are teaching right now. Um, you know, if you want to, uh, part of Gorilla Mixing, I know with Alish's course is that you get, um, at least one private lesson with him when you sign up. Part of the deal is that Alish still works on shows. So you'll have to see 
you know, when he's available. So there's this sort of balance of, uh, you know, taking courses from people who are still working out in the industry means that they're not as available, but then the information is highly relevant. Um, what about you, Elish? What's my going to be my financial and time commitment for gorilla mixing? Um, if you focus on a time commitment, it's probably similar to what Scott explained. Um, I have over 40 video lessons. Each lesson has quizzes and uh, checks your progress uh, throughout the course. But it depends on your involvement and the, the time that you want to spend. So it's really self-paced. Uh, like you mentioned, I offer um, private lessons. It just it gives me an opportunity to then take whatever you have learned throughout the course or if you maybe have any questions, um, we can talk about uh, those questions or talk about something specific uh, related to your personal work um, that we can figure out and maybe improve or comment on. Uh, so it's really trying to be tailored to a student's personal needs. Um, I have two versions of, of this course. The standard version will um, offer all of the video material uh, for with lifetime access um, plus one private lesson, uh, which is 30 minutes of conversation with me and one month of um, an on a participation in an online community, which I think is really beneficial because you uh, sort of get involved with other people uh, in the field of audio, not necessarily just working on guerrilla mixing, but working on other stuff as well. Um, so it's a great, great um, resource, uh, not only for the knowledge, but also maybe for furthering your a network of contacts uh, that might uh, help you with building your career. Uh, so in the standard version, like I said, one month of that online community participation. In the accelerated version, um, you have three private lessons with me and six months of um, being a part of that online community. The standard version is $97. The accelerated version is $197. But we offer a great discount of 50 bucks for uh, the next few days, uh, at least for now until October 20th. Um, so if you're interested, now is the time to sign up. Cool. Um, thank you guys so much for being here to talk about each of your courses. I hope that people watching this video who have any questions will follow up with you. Um, obviously, you can post comments below this video, but beyond that, if anyone wants to reach out to you directly, Scott or Alish, what is the um, best way for them to do that? Well, for me, it's uh, just Scott at theproductionacademy.com. Uh, get back to you as quickly as I can via email. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can also find me uh, on Instagram. If you uh, want to check that out, it's uh, at the production Academy. Cool. Uh, what about you, Alish? Yeah, for me, it's my website, gainmedialab.com. Um, there's a, a contact um, site where you can um, reach me. Uh, also on social media, just type in Gain Media Lab and I will pop up um, on Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter, whatever you're using, I'm usually up there. Um, so yeah, that's the best way to reach me. Great. All right, well... Um Thanks for watching and um, 
Hope everyone has a great rest of the day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sound design. Yeah.